So, Father, we just thank you for your work. It is all your work. And we are grateful and humbly thankful for that work. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I want to welcome everybody inside today. We've got a nice crowd today. Praise the Lord. I want to welcome everybody outside or listening on the radio. We appreciate that you're with us today also. And then I want to thank everybody for joining us that's online today. I've already seen many people that's joined in with us today online. Uh, do want to ask you that I got a prayer request from uh, uh, Shauna Ryan has been watching online pretty regularly and and she fell last night and broke her hip and asked for prayer today. And so um, I think it was at one o'clock in the morning when we got the message. So let's keep her in our prayers today. Um, a lot of people joining us online today and they need uh, uh, our prayers as well. So we lift her to the Lord today and believe for her healing and her comfort and her peace in Jesus' name. Uh, today, um, trying to decide where to start off here because I really sensed uh, this morning that there's a lot of guilt or I sense that people are feeling a lot of guilt in their lives today and are guilty, if you will. And and that, you know, that's not from the Lord if you're a believer for sure. And the word says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus and and that's period and condemnation is guilt and i think a lot of times we carry guilt around with us and and there's no reason for it and anyway the the lord uh, i had lots of things in my notes to say today and one that i'd taken out because i didn't think the lord was wanting me to share it and he put it on my heart again but in leviticus chapter 16 Whenever uh, the sacrifice for sin was given, that they were taken, in this case, two goats were brought in. And Aaron would cast lots with these two goats. And, of course, they were the best of the best. And, and they'd cast lots. And one of those goats was sacrificed to cover our sin or the sin of the nation of Israel and, and to, to cover that. But another goat was that other goat was taken and and let out of the village which represented the sin or the guilt of the nation was gone. And so it took two goats in that case to to cover Israel until the second or the next time if you will. But Jesus paid the price for all of us. And we should feel no guilt today if you're a believer and you're carrying guilt around that's not from Jesus. Because on the cross, Jesus paid the price. That as Joe prayed, and I thought that the worship songs were right on, that, that we could be made righteous. And so if you're carrying guilt around today, our, your, your goal today is to let leave that at these altars today. And it may be through salvation. It may be that... You're not saved today, and, and you're feeling guilty because of that. And if that's the case, you need to receive Jesus as Lord. But but a Christian feeling guilt 
Uh, it's not to be there. And so anyway, uh, I say that as we kick off into the service today. Uh, want to challenge you to share this message. Uh, I, I challenge you to share all the messages that Oakton uh, puts out there because, guys, there's a lot of people that need to hear the message that, that not only I say, but last week's message was great and, and, and other speakers that speak here. But people need hope. And so I challenge you to share these messages today. Those online, I challenge you to share them as well. But the Lord has put on my heart that, that it seems like it, when Easter comes around, I think I've, I've planned a Lent uh, service or something for years, and it just seems like it gets on us. And, and Lent's basically a reminder of what's going on and preparing ourselves for Easter Sunday, which is usually, you know, 40 to so many days after Lent. And, but it's a time to just remember what Christ has done for us. And it seems like that, that we get so rushed as a, in the world and all that we're doing that it seems like on Easter Sunday we try to just cram everything in. We just try to get it all in in one week. And, and it doesn't do justice for what Christ has done for us. And what the, what I call resurrection season is about. And so I wanted to talk about the next seven weeks up to Easter or resurrection Sunday about seven last words of Christ. And I think these are prophetic words, but seven things that Christ spoke on the cross. And I'm sure you've heard him preached many a times, but, but, but I really want to take the season and really get in about what Christ has done for us. Because if we're wearing guilt today, uh, we're not hearing this message. But the first week, we're going to talk about forgiveness, and that's what we're talking about today. And we're going to read from the Scripture out of Luke 23, 33 through 38, and I'll be reading that here in a second. But we're talking about forgiveness today. And a lot of times you hear it hammered, you need to forgive. Well, today I'm going to talk to you about what Christ did. Christ forgave us. And that's what we're going to spend our time on today. If you want to come to Oakton Carthage tonight at 6 p.m., I'm going to talk more about uh, how we need to be like Christ in forgiveness. But today, let's read from Luke 23, 33 through 38. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, then hey, you know, he can save himself. Verse 36, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of Jews, save yourselves. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of Jews. So today, the seven last words that we're going to kick off this seven weeks is, the word that I believe Christ said today was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And a lot of people will say, well, who's he talking about there? Who is Christ forgiving? 
And, you know, that, to be honest with you, that really crossed my mind. And I thought, well, is he forgiving the Roman soldiers? You know, just before all this scripture here, that had taken him and, and stripped him down and beat his back with 40 stripes, just ripping flesh away from him. We can get into that gruesome story if you want, or gross story if you want. But the torture that they put Christ through before he said these words was just unbelievable. You know, I thought about, you know, was it Pilate or, or Herod? You know, they passed Jesus back and forth. And people don't realize that, but Herod didn't have the authority to crucify him. So he had to get it passed by Pilate. And so we see that, you know, Pilate believed that he was innocent, but Herod would send him and Pilate would say this and, and they were back and forth. But, but Herod finally, or Pilate finally said that, you know, hey, this guy's innocent. But, you know, if you want to crucify him, go, go ahead. His blood's on your hands. And I thought, you know, that would really bother me if my life was in jeopardy and the leadership, the government, if you will, they were saying, I know you're innocent, but hey, I'm going to give in to peer pressure. Hey, I'm going to give in to the, the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and, the, and to, to Herod. I'm just going to turn it over to you. Well, that would upset me. You know, it would be hard to forgive people that said I was innocent but wouldn't stand with me. And then I think about the chief priest. You know, they were the prime force behind the crucifixion. You know, from the beginning, Jesus cleaned the swamp. Jesus went into the temp- temple and, and he drove out all the greed and corruption. He came against the priests and the scribes and, and they didn't like it. And so from then on, they were determined to kill him. So even the church world itself was, you know, not behind Christ. So I'm thinking, you know, was it the priest? Was it the scribes? You know, who was Christ talking about when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then you think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They too were enemies from the beginning of Christ. Jesus' plain teaching about the kingdom kingdom offended them because it went against their doctrinal stance. In other words, Jesus' words weren't lining up with what they were preaching. And so it offended them. And so they too were out to kill him, to discredit him, to actively plot his death. So I thought, you know, was he talking about them? And then I think about the Jewish people that rejected the Christ. You know, they were, you know, on Palm Sunday, they were praising God for the Christ. And the next week, they were yelling, crucify the Christ. You know, was it the Jewish people that, that rejected the message and, and some even to this day that reject the message of Christ? But actually, when I thought about it, you know, we're the reason. We are the ones that sent Jesus to the cross. 
You see, it was my sins, my corruption, my weakness, my pettiness. Think about that pettiness, all these little petty things that keep us from being what God wants us to be. That's what put him on the cross. Your sins, your corruption, your weakness, and your pettiness is what put him on the cross. Because as I look back through these things that, and these people we could blame, and I look at my own life and, and, and some of yours, and, and we've done the same things. We've done the same things to Christ. So sin, our sin, put Christ on the cross. We know in Romans, Paul says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. We know in Romans it says, for the wages of sin is death. So we all put him on the cross. And during this season, I don't want you to feel guilty about that, but 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 we need to remember this forgiveness that Christ has given us. We need to remember, and this is a point that I believe the Holy Spirit gave me to say to you today, was well, sin was the problem, but love was the answer. Sin was the problem, but God's love was the answer. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I got to thinking today, I, I like that scripture, but that's probably one of the first scriptures I ever memorized. But it's a powerful scripture. Sin was the problem, but God loved us and love was the answer. You see, people are headed to destruction because of the sin in their life, really because of the unforgiven sin in their life. Jesus' own word said, enter the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many. And he was saying that, that, that sin drives people. And we need to be forgiven of that. But Jesus' love, he actively bore your sins. He actively went to the cross to forgive you. I was pulled this out today, and I was trying to read on it. I can't even read my own writing. But I carved this in Albania out of some wood that was on the grounds when we were just in a prayer time and a downtime over there between ministry and and while i was doing that i cut this finger here to the bone and and again you couldn't you know then were hours from the hospital and so i'd literally hold my finger over my head so the blood would clot and so that eventually i got some uh, paper towel and black tape always does great and and that's how i think i put that back together but the cross and the blood that was shed on that cross, Jesus 
did for us. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. So Jesus went to the cross so that we could be made righteous, so that we could boldly go to the throne of God. And so there should be no guilt for those that choose Christ. You see, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So we made the cross necessary because Christ and God loved us so much that they wanted to remove our guilt so that we didn't have to carry any guilt around any longer so that we could live for righteousness. So when we read this scripture, Father, forgive, for he knows not what he does. I want you to put your name in there. Father, forgive Kit, for he knows not what he does. Father, forgive me, because I don't understand you sometimes. That's pretty powerful. When we look at it personally, that Christ went to the cross for us, that's pretty powerful, that he paid the price for us. You know, a lot of times we, uh, we talk about the goat sacrifice earlier, the, the, the calf sacrifice or the bull or whatever in the Old Testament, and I get it all the time. Oh, my children, uh, when they hear about that in Sunday school, that just upsets them. It makes them feel bad, and, and, and I'm glad the kids are compassionate. But do we feel the same compassion for Christ? Sometimes I think we put more value, value in animals than we do people. Christ gave his life for us. And man, that ought to make us want to serve him if for another reason. When it's 18 below outside, we have no water, we have no heat. We're praising God because Christ died for us. He paid that debt. Sometime in there, because I've been let out to church or whatever on Wednesdays, I preached a couple times, and one of them, I preached that that we're talking now about forgiveness is a demonstration of God's love, but but there was three steps in a Jewish wedding, and the first step just blew my mind. But the first step of a Jewish wedding. And in the Old Testament, and now, today, I think they still practice this. But the authority of the woman, together with her responsibility, her welfare, was being transformed from her father's household to the household of the providing husband. And that stuck me, and maybe it didn't mean anything to anybody but me, but but when I accepted Jesus' forgiveness... 
and asked Christ into my heart, I transferred all the power, my power, my family's power over to God and and consumed God's power and authority in my life. So now I reap the benefits of the Father God, which is salvation, which is forgiveness, which is righteousness, which is the power of Jesus residing in me, the healing. All the benefits have been transferred to the believer. And we need to recognize that today. God's responsible for us. And man, if we'd let him take care of us, it would change our lives. If we would just let go and say, God, hey, it's your worry. My son texted me last week. He lives in Austin and he said that it was Tuesday and Wednesday that 325 millions of uh, gallons of water was wasted from leaks. Think about that in two days. Half the city, actually most of the city didn't have any power. Here's the way he flushed the, the commodes. Was he going outside and he'd get snow and let it melt and pour it in the tank. That's how they were flushing their, their commodes. You see the proper words I'm using today? For those who don't know what a commode is, toilet. But even I can, at night, would when it was really cold, I'd be like, man, I hope Amy's okay. Man, I should have put a smoke detector up because our heaters are cranking. I've been thinking about that for months. Oh, I wonder about Joshua. He doesn't have water. He doesn't have this. Guys, when we're saved, and my kids are saved, that is transferred to God the Father. And he's responsible to take care of them. And when they look to him, he will take care of them. And he does, and he did. But there was a debt to pay. And Christ paid for it in full. I want you to read now with me from 1 John 2, 1 and 2. And and again, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. But there's two words I want you to hear and hear. And one of them is advocate. And another one is propitiation. And that's a fancy word I learned in college too. But basically it means mercy seat. And we'll get into these two in a minute. But John was saying, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. Now I want you to get this here because I believe the Lord showed me at the beginning that a lot of you are carrying guilt. And some of you online may be carrying guilt. But, but we're carrying this around and if you're believers, you shouldn't be. This letter here was written to the church. When I began to dig in this, they didn't say, usually they'll say the church of Ephesus, which they probably think that was the main one here. But they made it clear in the commentary that this letter was spread throughout all the churches back in the day. Because all of them needed to know and hear these words that first off, that we know that who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. 
So guys, we shouldn't keep on sinning. Romans says we don't continue or are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says by no means. Paul goes on to say in Hebrews 10, 26, if we deliberately go on sinning after knowing the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer remains sacrifice for sin. So he was letting the church know that, that, hey, you have been forgiven, but you need to try and not walk in that guilt and that sin. But the two words that I want us to focus on here today, that we have an advocate. If you read out of the NIRV, it says we have a friend. If you read out of the TPT, it says you have a redeemer. But an advocate, a friend, or a redeemer is someone to support or argue a case. Jesus supports and argues our case for righteousness. He calls and pleads that we are innocent. We are not guilty. Jesus demonstrated his support of our welfare on the cross. Remember, when we get saved, we put ourselves under the welfare of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus did that on the cross. When you, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On the cross... He became our propitiation, which is the act of gaining or regaining the favor of goodwill to God. That's pretty awesome. That, that we're not only Jesus saying, hey, forgive them, but he puts us in favor with God. Do you guys realize that this down in verse 25 or 45, just a few verses down, it says there the curtain of the temple was torn in two. In other words, the separation that kept us from God was broken. It no longer exists to the believer. We can go boldly, as Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace for help in our time of need. Wow. Christ did some pretty great things. I can remember that as a pastor, I was called one time to to go help a young person that had gotten in trouble with the law, and it was a pretty big deal. And I'd been praying with them, been standing with them, and to be honest with you, they were stuck. They were they were guilty. And and I even give them advice to plead guilty uh, because they were guilty. And that's another story. But our system doesn't work that way. But again, I don't want to get into that today. So anyway, we started through this process and we went to court several times. And I'll never forget as this person gave up and the judge asked them, what do you have to say for yourself? And they spoke. And they said their peace. And I'm sitting out in the crowd back about where Brian is or further. And the judge does this and looks around the young person and he says to me, Mr. Garfield, what do you think? I about fell out of my chair. 
But the reason I didn't is the Lord told me he was going to do that. And I didn't believe it because it just doesn't happen in court. And, and I, I got up and I said, sir, this man is guilty. But I got into the spill of, but Christ paid the price. And, and I went on to explain that I felt this young person had realized what they had done. And I think they understood what they'd done. And I think they were where they needed to be in their life and in their relationship with the Lord. But, but I fall on your mercy because you are the judge and God has appointed you to be there. And whatever you rule, I believe, is God's will because he puts you there. And he goes, thank you. When it was said and done, the sentence this young man got was about half of what it should have been. His lawyer come up and thanked me and said in his history he had never seen that in that courtroom with that judge. And I'm not saying that to lift me up. I'm saying that to lift Jesus up. Whatever this young person was guilty as guilty could be, he'd made a mistake, he'd done something wrong, but Christ still interceded for him. Christ still put a word on my heart to say, and Christ still had that judge ask my opinion. And I think that the Lord showed mercy over this young person that day. And I think it touched their lives. But I think God does that many times for us. And we just take it for granted when, when we're, you know, Christ has paid the pride on the cross. He, he, he's done all these things, but we do things that, that there's consequences for. And Christ loves us so much that he even removes them sometimes. But the consequence for sin is death. And he completely removed that for those that would believe. There was one year getting into the ministry here. I, I never had been a small business owner, and that's what I'm considered as a pastor. And I really messed up on my taxes, and I owed $10,000 And they, um, when it, my taxes came due. And you want to talk about a burden. And what I'm trying to establish here is uh, I'm trying to relate burdens to things that are burdens to you. That how when we trust God, because Christ has made us holy and righteous, in other words, sons and daughters of God, that we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I didn't understand what I, I've done here and I got myself in a pinch. Can you remove this burden? And he did. And I can go through many burdens that's been removed because Christ simply said, Father, forgive Kent, for he knows not what he does. So what must we do to receive forgiveness? Most of us in here are believers, and we know that we repent and we're baptized you know, I'll never forget Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. There was a move of God and the jailer cried out to him, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And so he was saved and baptized. The 3,000 in Acts 2, 37, same deal. What must I do be, to be saved? 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And just a reminder today that Jesus is the only one that can provide this forgiveness. Acts 4.12 And there is salvation in no one else, for there is not another name under heaven given men by which we must be saved. But I think as believers, as Paul, or excuse me, John started this letter in John, 1 John, he reminded them, try not to sin, don't, don't sin, but if you do, you have an advocate. But we need to re- remember Romans, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christ is capable to take care of us. Christ is capable to do his deal, his job. Remember today how much he loves you. I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward now. You guys are quiet today. I hope this isn't a heaviness to you. It should be a celebration to you. But I want to give you an illustration on what the blood of Jesus did for us. I couldn't get away from this this week. It, in Exodus in our reading, and if you're reading the Bible in a year, in Exodus 12, it was talking about Israel. And, and they were in captivity. They were in Egypt. If you guys study, Egypt represents their the sin period. The wilderness, the choice period, and the promised land as a choice was made. But but here they were. They were crying out to God, I need you. Father, we need you to save us from this heaviness, this captivity. And in Exodus 12, they said, and the Lord told them, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on the houses, basically that on the right side, the left side, and at the top. And I got my hands out here, which pointed to the cross, which I think is cool. Exodus twelve thirteen says, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. You see, that's what salvation does. When you accept Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, his forgiveness comes in. The blood covers you and and the destroyer will go past you. It will not strike you. Exodus 12, 23 says, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. Think about that. When we accept Jesus, his forgiveness, the blood's over us, and we're covered by the blood. First Peter two twenty four talks about the cross. And what Christ did on the cross and how the blood 
protects us. And he goes, oh, by the way, and by his stripes you are healed. You see, the blood heals you. The blood covers you from sin or your, your sins. You're made righteous to the Lord. So all the things that, that Christ had operating in his, your, his life can operate in your life because of the power of the blood. Tonight we're going to get into forgiveness. You have power to forgive other people. But if we don't understand the forgiveness Christ had for us, how can we forgive others? But Christ's forgiveness is unconditional. Meaning, I don't care what you did here today or what you've ever done, how bad you think you are, the blood of forgiveness covers you. We just need to walk in it. So if you're walking in guilt today, let it go. The altar call today is if, if you're, let's stand to our feet here. But if you're inside here and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now's the time. Father, forgive whoever you may be, for they know not what they do. Today's the day to accept Jesus as your Lord. In line, online, inside, outside, those on the radio, is Jesus your Lord today? If he is, then you're covered by the blood. But believers, if you're walking in guilt, let it go. Jesus covered you. And I'm going to give this salt call with every head bowed and eye closed. If you're walking in guilt today, I want you to raise your hand up. I see that hand. Anybody else? See it? Anybody else? It's time to let go, guys. Let's raise it up to the Lord. I'm a believer and I've been walking in guilt. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see those hands. It's time to let go. The Lord already told us what to do. Repent, turn away, and trust Him. And all those that raise their hands, I know you're doing that. So there's no room for guilt in your lives. I remind you of Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I remind you of John 3, 17. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe it in him should not perish but have eternal life. But then Jesus goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God didn't condemn you. The world's already condemned by sin. Jesus is here to save you. To take away that guilt. 
These altars will be open today. If any of you need to come and pray, or if you just need to pray for somebody else today, I'd encourage you to do that today. But as I was walking out of the house today, I'm going to read this to you, and I can see why now, but the Romans, Lord put Romans 8, 5, and 6 on my heart, and I just jotted it down here. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Set your mind on the Spirit today. That's my challenge to you today is set your mind on the Spirit. Focus in on the Spirit in all that we do. Amen? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, you have spoke to us today, and Lord, I ask that you, your word says that it won't come back void, so Lord, I ask that you minister to each person here today. Father, I ask that nobody walks out of here carrying guilt. That nobody turns off the online without removing guilt from their life, whether that's through salvation, Father, or whether it's just we just carried this stuff with us for no reason as believers. But, Father, I ask that you begin to work across this body today. And, Father, let us realize the freedom that you have given us through your Son, Christ Jesus. Father, that on the cross your son said and spoke for us and and stood in the gap for us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He forgave our sin for his love for us. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name.